Hey, I'm Miles. And I'm Alex. And we love football. So today we're going to review both the divisional games and talk about the championship games. We also have a topic about Aaron Rodgers and, you know, where he may end up and what's going on with that situation towards the end. And, you know, let's dive into the let's dive into the Chiefs versus the Jaguars today. And that was the first game played at the divisional round, and it was a pretty good one. So the Chiefs played pretty flawed. Uh, Patrick Mahomes actually got injured around the second quarter, uh, and he came back for halftime. And it looked he, he had a high ankle sprain. I believe that's what the report was. And uh, he came back and he played just as well as he was playing before. He had a really solid game, uh, a lot of completions, a lot of a decent amount of yards. And Trevor Lawrence, he was playing really good until the final drive when he threw a costly pick. Uh, he was just pressured a crap ton there. Uh, and really, it just seems like the Chiefs were the more experienced game, this or more experienced team this game. You know, watching it, uh, the Jaguars had three costly turnovers towards the end of the uh, fourth quarter. They had an interception and they had two fumbles. Uh, and that first fumble towards the end of the towards the end of the first, uh, fourth quarter, they were really knocking in that red zone. They almost had a touchdown. They 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 were they were that close to it. And it just seems like the inexperience of the team. It was the ultimately the deciding factor. They're a team I can expect to be in this situation more than you know, more than just this year. And, you know, looking forward to seeing them in future playoffs. But just overall, pretty solid performance by the Chiefs. And, you know, they seem locked in for the next game. Uh, their defense did a good job of getting a lot of pressure today. And that was the play that made uh, Lawrence throw the game-sealing interception. Uh, he he was pressured uh, on the right side, and he just had to get rid of it. And, you know, he, he threw a 50-50 ball that got won by the secondary. Uh, and yeah, ultimately, Chiefs just seem like a team that you know they've been there, they've done that. You know, they're they're prepared to get past the divisional round, and you know, they they're carrying a lot of momentum towards the uh, they're carrying a lot of momentum towards the AFC Championship. So I look forward to seeing that. And they played a great game, uh, Jaguars. They played a flawed game, but they played pretty solid this playoff run overall. I would say their their season was a success. Yeah, if you're a Jaguars fan, you should have your head held high right now. I honestly feel like the Jaguars are a few pieces away from being serious contenders next year. The AST South looks increasingly less competitive and possibly winnable because the Titans, uh, although they're well-coached with uh, with Rabel, Derrick Henry is far out of his prime, and Ryan Tannehill is questionable as a starting quarterback, and the Colts and Texans are both in a rebuild. The Texans are definitely in a rebuild, and they know that, and... Not sure if the Colts will acknowledge that they're in a rebuild, but we know that their roster is not very strong. So I think for the Jaguars, you honestly feel pretty good about yourselves right now. You made it into the playoffs with uh, you know, about a 500 record. You're still able to win your division, and you're able to make it to the divisional round. Honestly, things look strong for you, and you found your quarterback. You found your coach. This, everything looks pretty good. Um, in terms of the Chiefs, honestly, credit to them. So at the beginning of this year, I think a lot of people were worried about what they would look like without Tyreek Hill, especially in these big playoff games. You know, being at Arrowhead, it's been prominent these past few years, just seeing Tyreek Hill go for big play after big play and go up big when they need him most. But the Chiefs, the Chiefs are just able to recover and they're able to replace and still rely on guys like Travis Kelsey, who had 14 catches from tight end. You know, I think that they're able to 
you know, replace players with different role players and they're able to find different packages or just different looks that work for them. They're able to scheme players into good positions. Uh, a few examples of this could be Jarek McKinnon, their running back, or Damian Williams, who had over 150 yards in the Super Bowl they won against the 49ers. This year, it's their running back, Isaac Pacheco, uh, the rookie six-round pick from Rutgers, and he's filling in to be a strong weapon for them. And it's not the type of guy that, you know, he won't be a headliner. He won't show up big in the box, but he'll have a few key first downs or, you know, a few key plays that are going to end up being big. And that's really what the Chiefs are about. They're about those small little plays that are able to, you know, add up over the course of a game. They're just a strong team like that. And honestly, it's just a credit to Andy Reid and also Patrick Mahomes and overall just the stability of its organization. <clears throat> All right. That'll move us into our next topic. I'm going to be discussing the Giants versus Eagles game. <sighs> as a Giants fan, this pains me to talk about. And as we all know, there's not a whole lot of things to talk about from a Giants perspective. They gave it what they had, but they are not on the same level as the Eagles. That was evident by them being 0-2 against them this entire year. And honestly, the Eagles just looked prepared. They looked energized. They looked motivated. And they came out swinging after a bye. Um, the Giants definitely were tested with their reliance on less talented role players. If you have guys like Richie James or Isaiah Hodgins going up against Darius Slay or being, you know, put to the test against actual premier secondaries and premier defenses, odds are things are not going to go your way. You know, as a Giants fan, I feel like you still have to be really proud of what your coaching staff and what your team was able to accomplish this year. Dable being able to bring this team to a divisional round game when they were supposed to be in a rebuild. You can't complain about any of this to be perfectly honest with you. Look, I, I, I know it sucks to lose to your rivals. It sucks to lose to Philadelphia in this situation, but honestly you have to come to look at it from a positive view and from an Eagles perspective, Honestly, you come out with a lot of confidence with Jalen Hurts. I know he's supposed to be a little bit limited with that shoulder injury, but he still looked confident as a thrower and as a runner. And you just have to hope that, you know, he's going to carry that same confidence into the championship round against the 49ers. But overall, if you're the Eagles, this is the exact type of dominance you wanted. And if you're the Giants, it's the end of a Cinderella story, but it's okay. Yeah, this was this was a match for the Eagles, which just came out on. They just came out dominant, man. Uh, the Eagles. The only thing that would really make them lose this game is assuming Jalen Hurts just had a really bad game. But you know, Jalen Hurts is balling out right now. As Nick Sirianni, uh, head coach of the Eagles, called him, he's the Michael Jordan of football right now. Um, and he certainly played like that way against the Giants. Nothing short of game managing there. That's completely. Uh, he, put, he played really well in his system and threw a few touchdowns. Ran really well. Uh, and on the defensive side for the Eagles, they just have a lockdown defense. They don't really have – you can't you can't look at that Eagles defense and say, oh, there's a flaw there. It's, there's just, it's just elite all around the board. They just got a bunch of guys who can ball. And there's not really much you can say about the Eagles other than that. They were definitely a team that's built for the NFC Championship this year, and that's why we're, we're going to see them there. Uh, on the Giants' end, yeah, I'm not really blaming them for this. This was a – game where they were bound to be outmatched, assuming the Eagles play as good as they're supposed to play. And that's what the Eagles did today. Uh, Giants, they got they got the future to look forward to. You know, they're still a team with flaws. Uh, and the Eagles are a team that doesn't have a lot of flaws. So, you know, ultimately, 
just the success of the Eagles and how loaded they are. That's that's what pushed them forward in this game. And that'll bring us to our next game. Uh, this next game is going to be the Bengals versus the Bills. And, you know, this was a game where the Bengals just seemed pretty dominant. Joe Burrow this game seemed like the better quarterback than Josh Allen. And interesting enough, I wonder how this game affects uh, how people view Josh Allen. Because I've heard a lot of things coming from, uh, coming from a lot of different individuals. Uh, coming to their opinion to view Josh Allen. A lot of people are saying he's the next Phillip Rivers because he just can't can't seem to get over the hump in the playoffs. And honestly, it's looking like that thus far. I'm not I'm not calling his career like I'm not calling his career as of yet like, oh, he's done in the playoffs, but he, he really hasn't been doing a lot. Uh and this was an underperformance this was a game in which he underperformed, absolutely. Uh you could see the dysfunction in the Bills offense. Uh if you look at Stefan Diggs he was yelling at Josh Allen. Those dudes are normally like really close and, you know, they're really chill. But, you know, I guess Stefan Diggs even called him out on this stuff. Josh Allen just didn't look like himself in this game. And the Bengals, they just clicked. The Bengals, they're clicking right now. Uh, they had a rough start to the season, but, you know, as of now, they're just, they're one of the hotter teams in the NFL. They might be the, they're probably the hottest team in the AFC right now. Not saying they're better than the Chiefs, but they've just been a very winning team as of late, especially given what they started on, especially given how they started the season. But Joe Mixon, he had a pretty good game going over 100 yards. Joe Burrow, he had a really good game throwing 200 yards and two touchdowns, you know. That's just how, if the Bengals play like that, the Bills offense, they just got to respond. And the lack of a run game really impact them through this season. One thing the Bills got to do for next season is they got to get a run game, just in case Josh Allen isn't clicking, because that seems to be their offense. If Josh Allen is clicking, you're going to score a lot of points. But on those games that Josh Allen has an off, on those days that Josh Allen has an off game, you don't got a running game to rebound to. The Bills, they probably have the worst running game in the league. And, you know, it's games like this where you just need a good running game. And, that seems to not be the case for the Bills today. Yeah, in addition to that, if you looked at the weather, it was snowy. It was a miserable weather. There is no way if you're Josh Allen and, you know, this offense that you're thinking about throwing bombs to Gabriel Davis or, you know, you're throwing 20-yard passes to Stephon Diggs. You're thinking about, or what you should be thinking about, is pounding the rock. And honestly, it's it's just frustrating to come from, you know, come from such a strong regular season and you're playing at home in a playoff game and you can't play well to your own conditions the bills have played in games like this they are a cold weather team they're from buffalo how are you not going to have a run game it just makes it just makes no sense to me they can't be so big play reliant in a playoff game you, you just can't do that you have to you know you have to realize that points are not going to come as easily as they do in the regular season you have to be a little bit more strategic and also just have a better game plan. Like Bills came out with a three and out. The Bengals scored a touchdown. What does that say is that the, the Bengals were more well-prepared and they looked it on defense and they looked it on offense as well. Um, just in general, we talked about this with the Bills just a little while ago. Back in, I believe, week 14 when we had a, a podcast session, we were talking about Buffalo needed a run game for games exactly like this. And they didn't do anything to to address that and now we're here where the buffalo bills are in a weird middle ground where they're going to have to start paying josh allen a lot of money and you know you're losing a lot of guys possibly on the defensive end you signed von miller but he's out with a torn acl he's on the older edge of his career who knows if he comes back you're going to probably lose jordan poyer micah hyde 
if you're not going to be able to pay them because obviously you're paying Josh Allen so much. And then your offensive line just isn't all together as it was evident from this game. They couldn't pass block. They couldn't run block. It's a, it's a mess. And this, this would have been the year that the bills were able to make it to the conference championship and perhaps win a super bowl. But now they might not come back to this position with their, you know, with a weaker team. So it's hard to say what the bills outlook is right now. All right. And that'll move us into our last topic. We're going to be talking about the Cowboys versus the 49ers. Here, I'm just going to say a little disclaimer. I don't want to keep on talking about that last play. It was funny. <laughs> don't get me wrong. It was funny to see Ezekiel <laughs> get put on his butt. But the Cowboys, if they would have ran that play as a Hail Mary or they would have ran a lateral play, nothing could have changed the result of the game. They were still going to lose. Overall, with this game, no matter how, no matter how close the game was at any point, whether it was one possession or even when the Cowboys were in front, we never felt like the Cowboys were able to put this game away. We never felt like the Cowboys' offense was strong enough to beat this 49ers' defense head-on. But the 49ers, even when they were behind or even when they were tied up, you always felt like they were in the driver's seat. You always felt like they were in control. And again, Dak just shows that he's an average quarterback. I hate to break it to you, Cowboys fans. He's average. He's about where Kirk Cousins is. Maybe even Ryan Tannehill. Obviously, he has moments of greatness. Don't get me wrong. I, I think an I think a comparison is Kirk Cousins. Kirk had an excellent season, an excellent season. But when it came down to crunch time, he couldn't get it done against the Giants. He couldn't get it done. Dak. He had an excellent game in the previous round versus the Buccaneers. Four touchdowns. Don't get me wrong. It was a good, good performance. They can't get it done against teams when it actually matters. And honestly, I'm not sure I'm not sure what's going to come from this because the Cowboys aren't in a position to look for more weapons, really, because they're about to lose Tony Pollard. And honestly, they're about to lose Dalton Schultz, their tight end as well. So... You can't just you can't just assume his offense is going to get better, and, and that's what Dak needs. He needs more weapons. You, you don't really have an answer if you're the Cowboys right now. You overpaid on players like Ezekiel Elliott, so you don't have money to you know spend freely in free agency. So right now, if you're the Cowboys, I don't know what you do. You might lose Dan Quinn, your defensive coordinator. A lot of things are going wrong for them. The Cowboys really needed to make a, a splash this year, and Allen's for an NFC championship or a Super Bowl and they lost in the divisional round. Yeah, pretty good performance by the Dallas defense, but that Dallas offense, man. Dakota Prescott finally playing a full uh finally finally playing an actual defense this game. Uh you know, and he struggled two interceptions. It seemed like the only receiver that was actually clicking was CD Lamb. And poor CD Lamb, he had the he had one of the best games of his career, but you know, Dak Prescott decided to throw that away. Uh, and, you know, Dak's just been an interception machine this season. He led the league in interceptions despite missing five games, and he threw two today. He just He's just been looking off sometimes. And honestly, yeah, he's, he's been playing average. I don't think there's anything that I can convince myself to say, hey, Dak isn't an average quarterback because he just hasn't shown otherwise. He's shown that he's average. Yeah, he can get you a touchdown every now and then, but he'll throw it right back to the defense the next play. 
And that's just how Dak has been. This 49er offense, they had a bit of struggles, albeit this Cowboys defense is legit and probably was top five this season. So, you know, they played a legit offense, but, you know, they got it done in crunch time. Uh, and overall, this 49ers team, you know, even if the, even if one unit isn't clicking, the other, the other unit's going to click. And, you know, they're just extremely loaded. This was a game that, yeah, the Cowboys could have won, you know, if they, uh, barring an actual good game by Dak, but, you know, Ultimately, it was him and the lack of a rushing game with Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott averaging 2.6 yards per carry. He didn't really do anything but snap the ball that game. <laughs> and we know how snapping the ball went. <sighs> and that takes us to our next topic. Now, our next topic will be reviewing the conference championship games. Uh, I have the AFC conference championship and Miles has the NFC conference championship. And today I'll be talking about the ultimate rematch in Bengals versus Chiefs, the AFC championship that was last year. Now, as vast majority of us know, Bengals won that game in a comeback in overtime. And honestly, I think they're going to win it in a close one again this game. Bengals are hot. You know, their defense is playing pretty decent. Their offense is playing pretty good. And, you know, they're just a hot team. So are the so are the Chiefs, and the Chiefs seem to have a different mindset than normal right now. And the Chiefs are playing really well, but you know, I, I just don't trust them against a team like the Bengals as of now. And uh, the Bengals have shown that how dangerous they are against elite quarterbacks, holding Josh Allen to ten points uh, and zero touchdowns uh, against the Bills. And you know, barring a bad game by Joe Burrow. This could this could go to the Chiefs, but ultimately, I think assuming Joe Burrow plays how he's supposed to play, and assuming that the three-headed dragon that the Bengals have in the receiving core play well, uh, I think ultimately this offense can do what it takes, um, and they can play a good game, winning this close one. Yeah, I know a lot of people are focused on the Mahomes injury, but to give a little bit of hope for the Chiefs, Mahomes may be limited, but Mahomes limited is still phenomenal and knowing Mahomes just him as a character he will push through this no matter what and don't get me wrong a high uncle sprain is no joke if you ask ground guys in the NBA or football players or anybody for that matter a high ankle sprain is very painful but I don't doubt that Mahomes will be able to to battle through it he's a competitor and he's going to do whatever it takes especially in the AFC championship now, to your point, Alex, the Bengals' defense has looked strong these past few weeks, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a high-scoring game. Both these offenses may just light it up. As you mentioned, they have um, the, the, the Bengals have Chase, Higgins, Mixon. Then on top of that, you have you know guys in other positions that haven't really been highlighted as much as of late, but they're going to sh- have big games because I think that uh, – and when it comes to Higgins or when it comes to Chase, they're going to be shut down. But Hayden Hurst at tight end could be a solid weapon. And the crafty veteran Tyler Boyd is always a sure bet to have a few catches in a big moment. So I think the Bengals offense light it up. And as I mentioned before, Chiefs and their role players, along with, of course, the ever-constant Travis Kelsey, will no doubt be able to put up points. Now, again... When it comes to sheer weapons, I think that the Bengals are just going to outlast the Chiefs in that regard. They just have better weapons is all. And that's why in, in the score prediction, I'm going to be taking the Bengals 
30-27 in a very, very close game to the end. Alex, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree with everything, but I think it's going to be a bit lower of a score. I have 21-24 Bengals. It's going to be be a shootout towards in the fourth quarter, but uh, the question is how hot these teams start, uh, and that's going to be the determining factor between our two scores. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if you get a, basically just a fist fight when it comes to this game. Absolutely. And there may be there may be something that we see, like you said, in the fourth quarter that lights up the scoreboard, but can't be surprised if this this is a you know a two possession game, like you know, maybe it's like fourteen fourteen, ten to fourteen by the second half. I would just don't be surprised. It may not be a shootout. Absolutely. Okay. So Moving on to the NFC Championship game. So excited to talk about this. Eagles versus 49ers. Now, I know we were just talking about the Chiefs versus Bengals game possibly being a close one and a low-scoring one, but I can guarantee without a doubt this one will be even more so than that. This will be a low-scoring, grinded-out game. The trenches will be the battle to watch. It will be physical and hard-hitting. And teams at this point... I, I'm gonna make a prediction. I'm gonna make a prediction on uh, Brock Purdy. I think at at this point, the teams, especially the Eagles, have had time to watch enough film on Brock Purdy and figure out some of his tendencies that the 49ers' offense will not be able to will not be able to you know apply the same dominance that they've been able to you know bring in other games. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some mistakes in this game, and we saw that in the last game against Dallas. Purdy almost had a red zone interception and uh, a few plays like his play right before half where he almost got, you know, got rid of the ball and he almost got rid of it with zeros on the clock. Um, I think the Eagles are going to be a huge challenge for this 49ers offense, but specifically with their pass rush. Their pass rush is going to be all over this rookie quarterback. And I don't doubt the, the, the 49ers will scheme against that, but I just don't foresee this as a game that's going to be very high scoring and, I think the Eagles will be challenged again by the 49ers uh, defense, but the 49ers defense will mostly have their hands full with the with three strong receivers that the Eagles have. They have Dallas Goddard at tight end, A.J. Brown at wide receiver, and along with that, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, Devontae Smith. So I, I think the 49ers will be the ones under pressure here. The Eagles are walking in here with utmost confidence. And I think... This will be this will be a hard one to predict, but I'm going to say 20 to 17 in favor of the Eagles, which is hard for me to say as a Giants fan because I want the Eagles to lose, but I'm going to take them. Now, if you look at both these teams on the receiving end, they're both loaded with weapons. Maybe two of the most loaded teams with weapons, but don't be surprised if this game goes by fast just because of the amount of running this game. Both these teams can run the ball well. They both got pretty mobile quarterbacks with solid running backs, you know, specifically the 49ers having CMC, who's been a great option for them that they traded for midseason. And also look at the trenches. These are the two best trench teams in the NFL, defense and offense. Two of the the most sacking quarterbacks, or most sacking edge rushers this year, and Reddick and uh, Tosa, they're going to ball out this game. Also, two of the best tackles in Lane Johnson and Trent Williams this game. This game is built for the run. And don't be surprised if you see a lot of outside runs instead of, you know, oh, 60 yards to Devontae Smith or, you know, 60 yards to Brandon Ayuk 
you know, don't don't be surprised if you're going to see a run a game because these teams can both run the ball and they both can control the trenches. And ultimately, the trenches is what's going to win the winning team the game because, man, they got to be elite because they're facing the second best trench in the league or the first best trench in the league because both these teams could definitely do it. Um, and for my score prediction, I got 17 to 14 and I got the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I just think it's a more experienced defense in the playoffs. Uh, we haven't seen we haven't seen the Eagles make a serious splash in a minute, but you know this 49ers team, this this 49ers defense specifically, it's a similar defense to what they ran when they went to the Chiefs. A similar defense to what they ran last year when they made it to the NFC Championship. Uh, I think the defensive, I think the defensive experience on this 49ers team uh, is ultimately what's going to bring them up, and ultimately what's going to you know make them go to the Super Bowl and possibly win it. So, you know, I say 17-14, 49ers, uh, and this could be a very interesting game. Uh, if you like running the ball, I think this game will be for you. And that brings us into our next topic, in which we'll be talking about where Aaron Rodgers ends off this season. Miles, do you want to kick it off? I would love to. Okay. Okay, so at the end of the season, the Packers, led by Aaron Rodgers, had one game to win in order to make it into the playoffs against their little brothers, the Detroit Lions. It was at home in Green Bay, and the Packers lost this game. And after that, it brought up a lot of questions. What is wrong with Aaron Rodgers? What's going on with them? This was a huge offseason. I mean, it was a huge season that he felt very off. He had thrown the most interceptions he's had in the last two seasons combined, pretty much. He's not playing at the same MVP caliber level, and he just really failed to click with a lot of his younger receivers until very late in the season. He's not really showing any any chance of changing his ways or putting in extra work in the offseason to work with Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs. He really seems like he's in his own world right now, and from a you know from a front office perspective, that's not what you want to see right now. If this division is looking the way it is. Every team is looking like it's improving. You know, the Vikings just came off of a strong season. The Lions are possible playoff contenders in the NFC. Even the Bears have have their quarterback in Justin Fields. This division doesn't look too bad right now. And honestly, with Aaron Rodgers putting in this little commitment, it's just very concerning as a Packers fan. And it seems as though the Packers front office is realizing this and they're thinking about trading him. now. It's hard to say where Aaron is going to end up going because he has a huge contract that, you know, teams are going to have to pick up if they're going to take him. But I'd be surprised if, you know, there weren't a few takers on Aaron Rodgers. I was going to say, he's been hinting, hinting towards a few different teams, but one of them, surprisingly, might be the Tennessee Titans. This is more closer to what I think Aaron likes personally he seemed he's just a natural guy he has a house in nashville he spent a lot of time there in the off season i i i think that uh mike vrabel would be very very um would be very very like would be that ah, would be incredibly happy to have him just because their chances of winning the afc south at that point would be so so much higher and also the packers would be likely to trade him to an afc team because they don't want to see him in the nfc so I think that's option number one. Now, the other option could possibly be if Aaron Rodgers were to retire, which as of right now, we're not really sure. But I think that the Packers are 
if he's thinking about trading him, and in this scenario, I think the team most likely to end up with him is going to be the Tennessee Titans. I can certainly see the Titans. Uh, you know, the Green Bay the Green Bay Packers head coach, Matt, uh, Matt LaFleur, he came from the Mike Vrabel coaching tree. He was the offensive coordinator for Tennessee. That's probably going to be a very similar offense uh, to the one that he's going to come into. You know, it, it, I think the transition would be a lot easier. And as you mentioned, Aaron Rodgers does own a home in Nashville. He is in Tennessee. Sometimes he's, he goes there often. And uh, that's something I could see. Uh, although I do think he's going to leave, my front runner is probably going to be the Jets. I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be an AFC team. The Packers aren't interested in trading him within the conference. So, you know, they want to they get him to a different conference just so they don't have to play him just so the chances of them potentially paying him, uh, playing him in the playoffs are lower. Um, but, you know, I could definitely see the Jets, especially with their new hire of Nathaniel Hackett. You know, Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett, they're very close. Nathaniel Hackett was uh, the offensive coordinator for the Packers uh, during Aaron Rodgers' two late MVPs uh, towards the end of it, towards the, you know, the last two seasons, not including this one. Uh, and, you know, they were drinking buddies. They were close. Uh, you know, he, he kind of boosted uh, Nathaniel Hackett's uh, stock. And, you know, that's what got Nathaniel Hackett hired as a head coach. Uh, and, yeah, Nathaniel Hackett could certainly uh, – he could certain yeah, he could certainly sway the odds for Aaron Rodgers wanting to go to uh, the Jets. And, you know, the Jets are perfect. They need a quarterback, man. They need a quarterback bad. Uh, they have a running back who's pretty good, but he's coming off an ACL injury. Uh, he could potentially be good, but they, they were getting nothing done in the passing game this season. They, they're just in need of a quarterback. And, you know, they're, they're, they're hiring Nathaniel Hackett, and Nathaniel Hackett's going to put together an offense that Aaron Rodgers can transition into well. You know, obviously he won two MVPs under Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, and, yeah, I think he's gone. Uh I don't think the Packers are going to commit to him just because if Aaron Rodgers were to have another season like how he had this season, not saying he necessarily had a bad season, but it wasn't like his two uh, previous MVP caliber seasons in which he won the MVP. Uh, it was it was kind of a softer, quieter, you know, a season with not as much winning, a lot of struggles, more interceptions uh, than he had in the past 10 years. Uh, and yeah, uh, him returning to a system in which he's more familiar with, uh, in the Nathaniel Hackett offensive coordinator uh, system, you know, I could I could see him going fresh and the Packers trading him while he still has a relatively high trade stock, uh, because you know what could one more bad season do to a 39 year old quarterback? He's probably not going to get traded for that much if he has another bad season. But you know, it seems with the hire of Nathaniel Hackett that the Jets are certainly willing to go all in or at least overpay a bit to get Aaron Rodgers because he is a quarterback who, when playing at his best can make them a Super Bowl caliber team. Yeah, I like the Jets for him because I think that Robert Saul is going to be able to sure up that defense as he's already been able to do. And Aaron Rodgers with the hand Nathaniel Hackett as OC can be mostly plug and play. He'll know the scheme. He'll be able to get into the offense. And hopefully, based off of that, he'll maybe put in some extra effort to connect with his new teammates because it'll be a new environment. We'll see, though. We'll see. Now. The larger question looming over this, if the Packers were to get rid of Aaron Rodgers, does that mean they have full trust in Jordan Love as a quarterback? Now, what would be big for them is that they're not paying Jordan Love anything because he's still on a rookie deal, and they're paying Aaron Rodgers obviously a lot of money. So they can build around Jordan Love, and they can provide him with weapons, and they can get people in free agency. However, Packers 
aren't too well known for being big supporters and free agency, nor do we really know a whole lot about Jordan Love. And it's honestly seemed like they don't fully trust him because they could have gotten rid of Aaron a, lo- a long time ago, maybe before the beginning of this season, if they trusted Love at quarterback. But they've been very hesitant towards it. So it brings up the question, is he the guy? Yeah, there certainly is a big question for the Packers. But I think given the fact that they invested a first-round pick, they're probably going to give him a, at least a year as a trial. Uh, he's still on a rookie deal, and, you know, the division's getting stronger. Worst scenario, he busts and you get rid of him after a year and you decide to pick up another quarterback in the draft or in free agency or through a trade. Um, but best scenario, he actually works out pretty well. Uh, and we've seen flashes from Jordan Love, but, you know, we really haven't had a good enough time span of him playing to just be able to judge his game. We don't know what we're getting with Jordan Love. The Packers have no clue. And, you know, that's why this season's going to be a test. It's going to be a test run. So, you know, a lot of Packers fans this season, you know, I think they're going to, they're going to want Jordan Love to play, but they're not really going to expect him to be an Aaron Rodgers caliber player. That's, that would be very unfair to expect Jordan Love to ball out like Aaron Rodgers did and win two MVPs straight uh, and win four MVPs in his career. Uh, and, yeah, that's just that's kind of hard to see happen. Uh, but, you know, Jordan Love, he's probably going to get a test run. The question if he's good or not still has yet to be answered. Uh, and there's going to be if, – if Aaron Rodgers were to leave, there's going to be a completely new face for the uh, Packers organization. You know, recently they've been building a lot through the draft, uh, their defense. The defense has been built a lot through the draft. So we could potentially see the Packers become a more defensive-looking team. We can see them – we can see them looking uh, threatening, not because of their killer offense and their, you know, they can beat you in the run game, they can beat you in the pass game, but we could see them become a defensive uh, looking team. And, you know, this, this is, this Aaron Rodgers situation is so influential on the skips of the NFL for so many reasons. Uh, it can help an AFC team become a Super Bowl caliber team. And it can also change the fate of the Packers. We don't know what we're going to get with the Packers next season if Aaron Rodgers gone. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. And this might be the biggest trade in NFL history if he were to go. Yeah. Overall, it'd be something interesting to watch. We've been looking at these past few seasons, what happens if you take these star quarterbacks away from their original teams and moving them. It went well for Tom Brady, but it did not go well for Russell Wilson. So we'll see if history is able to change and we'll stay tuned with that. But I think that'll bring us to the end of the episode. Thank you, everybody, for staying to the end and listening to this. And we will keep you, uh, keep you posted on an episode for the Super Bowl.